Our reading this morning comes from James 1, verses 19 through to 27. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after having look and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Congregation, this is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mike. Friends, I'd like you to uh, imagine for a moment uh, that there was a person who took the time to read a book about first aid. In fact, they didn't just read it, but they studied it, they absorbed it, and they memorised it. They learned about what to do in every kind of emergency, whether it were an injury or an allergy, a heart attack or a seizure. And what if that book inspired them to go on to go to some first aid lectures, to hear someone talk about this topic in more detail, to find out more from an expert? The things they read would would then be reinforced and clarified, and they could learn so much more about how to help people in case of medical need. And how about if, as a result of that, they also went on and they attended some first aid courses where they could talk and interact about these matters, asking questions, getting hands-on practice, even gaining some sort of first aid qualification. That'd be great, wouldn't it? I'm sure we'd all agree that that if someone really learned a lot about first aid and became an expert and even qualified, that would be a really good thing a huge benefit for themselves and for others. But now imagine if the person who had read and listened and learned so much then failed to make any use of their knowledge. What if they came across someone collapsed in the street but they just walked straight by? They refused to render any assistance. What if they were at the scene of an accident but they were unwilling to tend to the victims? What if they failed, uh, if they had all this knowledge but never even used it when their own children were sick or hurt? Or if they didn't even apply it to themselves when they needed to? 
Well, that would be utterly ridiculous, wouldn't it? It would make no sense whatsoever. What would be the point of having all that knowledge but never ever translating it into action? What's the point of knowing all the theory if you never put it into practice? We all know that listening and learning without doing is a total waste of time. But isn't that exactly what James is talking about in this first chapter of his book? Let me read verse 22 for you again. James says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Let's unpack that. It's clear that when James talks about the Word, he's talking about the Christian message, about the Bible, the Word of God. He's talking about this amazing, intimate communication that that we've received from our Creator, where He outlines to us His character and His will and His plan of salvation. James is talking about the very revelation of the good news of Jesus Christ. And this message, James says, must be listened to. He doesn't say, do not listen to the word, but he says, do not merely listen to the word. And that's an important distinction. James is in no way devaluing the importance of reading and understanding, preaching and teaching, studying and discussing the word of God. I mean, this very verse on the screen is part of a letter that he wrote for Christians to read and listen to. In verse 19, which we just read, he said that we should be quick to listen. And in verse 21, he said we should humbly accept the word planted in us. James is not supporting those who think that the Bible is unimportant or irrelevant. He's not supporting those who despise preaching or mock theology and learning. He's not supporting those who want to avoid ever talking about the gospel in any depth. Just as it would be pointless and, in fact, dangerous to practice first aid without first learning the theory, so it would be pointless and even dangerous to go off doing Christian things before you've understood the true Christian message. James does not devalue the importance of listening to the word. But what he is doing is he is warning us against merely listening, only listening, only hearing, learning and knowing without it ever leading to anything else. For he says to do that, well... To do that would be to deceive yourself. And that's a real risk, isn't it? For there are plenty of people around who pride themselves on the fact that they know so much about God's Word. They read their Bibles daily. They memorise it. They can quote it. They have Bible passages displayed in their homes and they share them on social media. They've heard hundreds of sermons and hundreds of podcasts and they can tell you exactly what's good or bad about them. They know their doctrine. They know exactly what is right and how things should be done. And they know exactly when other people 
get it wrong. But yet sometimes it seems that they are the very people who have never applied it to themselves. They know the Bible so very well. They have all the head knowledge and all the theory, but yet they don't actually submit to it or obey it. They don't let it motivate them into action. They don't let it transform them. They have listened to the word, but they don't live it out. I'm sure you've known people like this. Lots of knowledge, lots of opinions, but little fruit in their lives. I know that I have. But I'm also sure that you've seen it in yourself, just as I have seen it in myself. And if we're honest, we see it in ourselves far too often, don't we? Friends, it's easy to be deceived, to be a hypocrite who knows the Lord's will, reading it and hearing it and sharing it and pontificating about it, but yet failing to ever be changed by it. But this is a big problem. In Matthew chapter 7, near the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And a few verses later, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That's how vital this is. This is not suggesting that we are saved by what we do. We're saved by faith in Christ alone. But what it does tell us is that genuine faith in Christ alone is never alone. It brings transformation. It's impossible to be saved without that salvation bearing fruit in our daily lives. And so James wants to give us one almighty wake-up call. He says, don't just listen to the word, but do what it says. He tells us that if you're truly rescued from your sin and from judgment, and you have been blessed with new and everlasting life, well, then we simply must turn our theory into practice, our learning into living, our listening into doing. For if we didn't, well, he says that would be ridiculous. And he goes on to illustrate just how ridiculous. In verses 23 and 24, he says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who, who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I'm sure we all have mirrors, I'm sure we all look in them. Why do we do that? We do it to see what we look like. And if we see that there's something that needs adjusting, then we sort it out. If our hair needs brushing or our face needs washing, we fix it. But, but James says, how crazy. If someone would look at their face in the mirror and then immediately forget what they see. How crazy to ignore the issues that become apparent and fail to deal with them. Well, James said it would be, says it would be just as crazy to look into the mirror of God's word and then immediately forget what you see. How foolish it would be 
if we looked into the Word of God and it revealed to us our sin, maybe, maybe anxiety or, or bitterness or greed or pride or apathy. But then we just went on with our lives and we never gave it any thought. Or what if we looked into the Word and, and the Word called us to respond in a certain way, in obedience or in love or in service or in self-sacrifice? But then we just forgot all about it and kept going the way we always have. How pointless, how ridiculous, and in fact, how dangerous to ignore the Word of the Lord. But then James also shows the other side of this in verse 25. He says, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The Lord wants us to look intently into his perfect word, for it is the only place where we can find true freedom, freedom in Christ. But when we find that freedom, we then need to continue in God's word. We need to just do it. The Bible never commends theoretical knowledge on its own, but only knowledge that is taken into the heart and sincerely acted upon. For only then, James says, will we know the full depth of God's blessing in this life and the next. Only the person who actively lives out their faith will discover the true joy of the gospel and the joy of a restored relationship with their heavenly Father and the joy of his eternal promises. My friends, in Luke chapter 11, after someone in the crowd called out a wrong idea about blessing, Jesus replied saying this, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So having stated and then illustrated his point in verses 26 and 27, James also provides a very pointed application. He says, those who consider themselves religious <clears throat> and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You see, my friends, those who merely listen to the word but never do it, they're often full of big talk. They compensate for their inaction with boasting and bragging, with gossiping and arguing, with judging and criticising. James says, if that's your idea of religion, well, then your religion is worthless. It has no value in the sight of God because, my friends, talk is very, very cheap. But the kind of religion that pleases God is the sort that receives his word and then quietly and sincerely applies it to the realities of everyday life. It's the kind that receives the gospel with thankfulness and humbly responds to the Lord. It's the person who actually goes on to care for the needs of others 
like orphans and widows. It's the person who then truly strives to be holy, unpolluted by the world. This is the religion that our Heavenly Father accepts as pure and faultless. And so James's point is clearly illustrated and applied. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. But at this point, we should remember that this is all, in fact, a part of this sermon series, One Body, Everybody. In fact, this is the last sermon in that series. And so what we've been doing as we've been going along is we've been thinking about the church, haven't we? And about what God intends his church to be. And as we've worked our way through that, we've been hearing many different things. In week one, we, we looked at 1 Corinthians 12 and how we are the body of Christ. This church, it's not some human organisation. We're not just a group of people who happen to sit in the same place on a Sunday. No, we're a group of people, my friends, who, who share in the, the deepest spiritual experience of faith and salvation and who've been bound together by the Lord himself. He is the one who has placed us here and brought every one of us here for a reason. None of us can say that we're not needed or necessary and none of us can say that anyone else is not needed or necessary. God has put us together to have equal concern for each other and together to glorify his name. Then in week two, we looked at some more verses in 1 Corinthians 12 and how we all have spiritual gifts. The Lord has equipped every single one of us. Why? To contribute to the health of the whole body, to strengthen each other's faith to share the good news with the lost. No one's gifts are any less important or more important than anyone else's. And so we should all be asking the Lord to open our eyes to the needs that are all around us and to use us to meet those needs in the strength His Spirit provides. In the third week, we moved across to 1 Corinthians 13. And we were reminded there that we are people of love. We truly are called to use our spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. But if we do so with wrong motives, well, then it's all a waste of time. The only right motive, we were told, is love. It's the incredible love of God for us, which leads us to love Him in return and to love our community, people all around us made in his image, and to love each other, our church family. And so we should be searching our hearts and considering what attitude lies behind our own efforts to serve, or even our determination not to. Then in week four, we moved on to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And there we saw that we all have different roles. This is where Reuben explored the place that the Lord has given to both women and men in his church. You might recall the, the complementarian understanding of Scripture which recognises that we are all made utterly equal in God's sight, but yet God in his wisdom and his good design 
has given different roles to male and to female. And so it's only when the men of the church step up and take on their God-given responsibilities, and when the women of the church are truly encouraged to take up theirs, that the church will flourish. And finally, last week, we looked at Colossians chapters 3 and 4 and thought about how we all work for the Lord. At the heart of that message was the fact that this this loving use of our spiritual gifts in the body of Christ, it's not restricted to certain people who are called to be elders or ministers or missionaries. And it isn't restricted to certain activities either, activities like preaching and praying and leading a growth group. Because God tells us that whatever we do, whether in word or deed, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so we are serving the Lord all the time and in every place, in our marriages, in our families, in our workplaces, in our communities, in every part of life, whatever we might do. And so, my friends, I really do hope that through this series of sermons, we've all heard and learned and gained better insights into into what the Bible teaches about the church. I hope that through our sermons and through your own reflections and for some of you through the discussions in your growth groups, that you've gained good information, that your theology has been expanded, that your knowledge about these things has grown. But what would James say if he was here with us this morning? He'd say, my friends, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. You see, this sermon series on on its own, it will do absolutely nothing to help this church. Us increasing in knowledge and insight on its own will do absolutely nothing to help this church. Even Even if somehow we could all... All all of us, everyone could perfectly understand every single thing that the Bible teaches about this. It still would do nothing to help this church. It would all be a waste of time, wouldn't it, if we didn't put it into action. And so I'm compelled to search my heart and to consider whether I have listened to these sermons and in my case, also preached some of these sermons, but yet I've done nothing more than that. And you are compelled to search your heart and to consider whether you have listened and and taken it in and talked about it, but yet maybe you never, never went any further. Am I like a first aid expert who never uses their knowledge, never puts the theory into practice? Am I like someone who looks in the mirror and goes away immediately forgetting what I look like? How ludicrous and how tragic. This is not the way of a person who has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is not the way of a person who has been saved by the wonder of God's grace. 
The Lord is challenging us very deeply today, my friends. Are we merely listening and so deceiving ourselves or are we doing? Are we looking intently into his perfect word and being affected by it, being changed by it as we apply it to our own hearts? And so we need to ask ourselves, are we here at Riverbank just pew warmers who don't really care that, that we're called to be the body of Christ? Are we actively playing our part? Are we encouraging others to play theirs so that the whole body will be healthy? Do we see the, the beauty of what the Lord has called us to be and are we willing to roll up our sleeves to make that happen? We know the theory, but are we going further and implementing the reality? And what about our spiritual gifts? Sure, we know what they are. We know where they come from. We know how God says they're so important. But when the rubber hits the road, are we still saying, well, I don't have anything to contribute? God promises that he will, he will equip us and he calls us to look around us and to find real ways to serve each other in the church and to serve those who are not yet in the church. And then there's that matter of whether we're motivated by love. You know, I guess that, I guess that whole sermon must have been a waste of time if I'm visiting people out of duty if I'm preparing sermons because of expectation, if I'm doing my daily work simply because I get paid for it, have I truly reassessed my attitude toward, the, toward this service? Have you truly reassessed yours? And what are the roles of women and men? Probably not much point if men don't step up to lead as God has called them to. And even less point if women still feel they have little to contribute and as a result don't put their hand up when help is needed. We know God's teaching, but are we responding? And then there's our call to do all things in every part of life in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. These, these words challenge that temptation that we all face to be Sunday Christians, living as unbelievers for the rest of the week. But have we changed? Have we wrestled with this and figured out how we can serve God better in our homes, in our workplaces, in our community? Friends, our calling today is a call to take action. When it comes to this One Body, Everybody series, we have most certainly listened. But are we just listeners? Or can we say we are listeners and doers? Can we say that we have responded to the word of the Lord? My friends, each one of us is called by God to, to assess our own life. And so I want to urge you, just as I urge myself, let's not forget the things that we have heard, but let us apply them in real and positive ways. My friends, let us ask the Lord to work in us by his Holy Spirit and to cause us to grow. Let us ask the Lord to change all of us here at Riverbank that we might not merely be listeners of the word and so deceiving ourselves 
but that we might be a church that does what it says. Because, my friends, then we will be the beautiful, loving, gospel-focused, healthy church that God intends us to be. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we know that we can so easily be just like that person who looks at their face in the mirror and then goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. Father, we know how easily we can hear your message and then we can walk away and forget about it. And we can never let it change us. And so, Father, we pray for forgiveness for that this morning. For we know that every one of us is guilty. And Lord, we pray that you would indeed send your Holy Spirit to work in us and to change us. Lord, please help us to listen to your word and then, as James tells us, to simply do it. Lord, help us to be so filled with the joy of the gospel that we cannot do anything else but respond to your love with humble service, giving our lives as living sacrifices. And as we do this, Lord, we pray that you would indeed continue to transform our lives and to transform our church, that we might be all that you call us to be. Lord, and that we would bring glory to your name. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.